Hello and welcome to episode 119 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, Mark. What a series it was against Atlanta. Uh, Second time in what, just over a week? Two sweeps? Uh, Pretty not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, not just one sweep. It's the series, the season sweep against the Atlanta Braves, which is only the fourth time in franchise history that that's happened against any team. So that's pretty exciting for the Blue Jays. Jacob, how are you? I was going to say, I'm I'm doing fantastic, especially with this road trip ending on not just a winning note, but on a sweeping note. This has been a fantastic series for the Blue Jays. Didn't start off the greatest, but you know what? This is a very, very good thing for them, especially considering that this is supposed to be one of their tougher months of the early schedule. Yeah, like they haven't played a single game against the Orioles yet. They still have 19 games against the Orioles to go. And then also games against teams like Detroit, teams like Seattle. So lots of exciting stuff coming up, and hopefully they can keep this going. But they win Tuesday 5-3, to three, they win Wednesday 4-1, to one, and they win Thursday 8-4. to four. Just a quick note for anyone who's maybe listening to this podcast after the fact. We're live streaming this on our YouTube, so that's pretty exciting. We'll be taking questions and comments from our chat. So um, we may do this periodically as we move forward, so just stay tuned to our socials to make sure you know when we're streaming and subscribe to us on YouTube. So, like I said, the big sweep coming today. Um, let's just talk about the game today first, because I think today's game was the most exciting. It was back and forth throughout it all. The Blue Jays finally took the lead in the later innings. Um, how significant is it that the Blue Jays are now, you know, they seem to be firing on all cylinders. I know we've said this before, but it seems like miraculously, somehow, despite all the injuries against all the odds, they're actually finally doing it and they're finally clicking. Um, How significant is that? Do you guys think it's going to continue? I think it's extremely significant because I was listening to just before we came on, the game ended and Tim and Friends was on and you hear Joe Siddle talk about, well, this team is severely injured and they're still doing so well. I mean, they're 20 and 16 right now. That is fantastic considering that a good majority of their roster or the key players in their roster are not healthy. Uh, I think also I want to look at the fact that the Blue Jays scored so many runs in the later innings. And I think that is an indication of just this team is really clicking. You see Biggio double, Bichette double. Well, Biggio then doubled again in the ninth inning. Guriel sacrifice fly. And this team is just, it's starting to really fire on all cylinders and they're getting performances from everybody on top of the guys that are doing well. I know especially this uh, road trip, we saw Marcus Simeon have a fantastic road trip, which I'll get into in a minute. But what we're seeing is, I think we said this last week, is the team is finally really clicking and we're not getting those good performances, but they're not able to really shine because there's other part of the teams that's not doing well. Now, what we're getting is, I think, a, a legit Blue Jays team that once you get Springer back, once you get Dolis back and you get all these guys back... I don't know, Red Sox might need to watch out because this team, it's really starting to be lethal and I'm I'm extremely excited and very happy with the way this series ended. 
Yeah, uh, like we mentioned right off the top, that's two sweeps now against the Braves, and uh, today was definitely the most exciting. Mark, you were saying, back and forth throughout, and finally in the middle to later innings, the Jays pushed ahead. So uh, today was highlighted pretty much from Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, uh, Bo Bichette had a three RBI day going two for five, and then uh, Kevin Biggio had two RBIs as well. And when I look at it with the offense, of course this is uh, sustainable. It has to be. I mean, this is the potential, and this is the expectation that we had entering this season, and they still are injured. They're still missing George Springer. Who is, um, or who was the big prize this offseason, and um, they managed to, I guess, finish the road trip off on a good note. We know how it kind of started off a little bit rocky, and then they had the series in Houston that didn't work out, but uh, these last three games itself was definitely a good co- uh, good confidence booster as well. The Jays are now 20-16, and 16, four games above, are, are above 500, and um, they're slowly climbing their way up the standings and even above 500, so it's very encouraging to see. And the other encouraging thing to see, too, I want to focus on the starting pitching in this one, was Ross Stripling. Nine strikeouts today in five innings. And um, for Ross Stripling, just overall this season, it's been a slow start for him. We've gone over it, regardless if he's been unlucky or if he just hasn't been pitching well. But today uh, was definitely a little bit more encouraging. He did throw a lot of pitches again, which is probably why he went around five innings. But either way, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, not much he can ask for. Other than that, it was pretty um, sign- or pretty sufficient in my opinion. And of course, uh, the Atlanta tied it up late, and then the Jays took the lead near the end or near the uh, later innings. And uh, other than I guess where the Jays lost the lead, other than that, they had uh, some good appearances out of the bullpen as well from Joel Pams, Travis Burgeon who got the win, and even Jordan Romano. So um, pitching wise as well today was pretty good from uh, what I thought or from what I saw as well. And even throughout the series alone, I thought it was pretty good. It was just a more of a complete effort and more of, I guess, performance that we were kind of expecting from this team. But offensively today, too, Kevin Biggio's swings, he, they were satisfying today. And um, either way, him, Bobachette leading the way today. And it was a crucial three games to end this road trip. Now they get to go home for Dun- or home to Dunedin for their last homestand. I think it's a 10-game homestand. And it was just good to start it off, or sorry, finish the road trip on a good note, and now you're starting the homestand on, their last homestand in Dunedin, on a good note as well. Yeah, and that's another thing that's kind of remarkable that the Blue Jays are doing as well as they are. It's the fact that they've had, I think, 25 road games compared to 11 home games so far this season. So that's just another thing to heap on the pile of injuries, of people not being hot at all the same time. It's just another thing to heap on the pile in terms of how miraculous it is that the Blue Jays are still winning, right? They're 12 and they've won 12 of the last 18 games. That's pretty remarkable. They've done it without George Springer for the most part, without Hinjun Ryu at one point, without guys like Tommy Malone, um, you know, uh, Alejandro Kirk on the injured list. You have all these guys, Anthony Castro, Rafael Dolis now on the injured list, all these guys who aren't on the team and the Blue Jays are still winning, still winning 12 out of 18. So, I think day in and day out, it can be incredibly frustrating to watch this team, as we've talked about before. But when you kind of try to zoom out, which is hard to do when they are losing guys to injuries day in and day out. But when you try to zoom out, it becomes clear that this team is pretty good. And it's pretty remarkable that they're 20 and 16 at this point in this season. One thing I want to focus on from this series is the starting pitching. You mentioned it, Bryson, but we got five innings from a starting pitcher every single game. In this series, which I don't know if that's the first time this has happened this year, but it's certainly not a regular occurrence. And I think we will see the effect on the bullpen. Of course, we had the off day Monday, which helped the bullpen. And then Tuesday, we have Robbie Ray goes six innings, gives up three runs, but strikes out 10, which was pretty crazy. And then Wednesday, we have Hinjin Ryu 
his second start back from the injured list, and he's kind of shaken off the rust. He went seven innings, only one run, uh, six strikeouts, and then, of course, today, Thursday, Ross Stripling, five innings, two runs, nine strikeouts, gave out those two runs in the first inning, but then I think didn't give up a hit for his last 12 batters, and he only walked one of his last 12 batters. So pretty remarkable from Ross Stripling, but this is something that we've been talking about a lot, that the bullpen isn't going to be sustainable at this pace. But seeing the starting pitching coming into this series, and maybe they get a little bit lucky because Atlanta has been struggling this season as well, but seeing them come in and have that success and go deep into the games to rest the bullpen, that was really encouraging. We did see the bullpen struggle today. Tim Meza came in, gave up a home run, but it's still really encouraging. And it bodes well for the long term, whether it can be continued or not, who knows, but it was just something that was nice to see. Yeah, the starting rotation was fantastic this series. And as you said, Robbie Ray started the first game of the series, 10 strikeouts. That's crazy. I believe he was credited or charged with one walk, although I think we can argue that that was probably a hit by pitch. But either way, it would have been ball four, so I'm not going to take too much into that. Uh, The only negative that I can kind of pull out of Robbie Ray's six-inning start was that three of the two earned runs that he allowed were via the home run. And I think that is the biggest problem with him. Now, and I went and looked back. I said, okay, well, how has Robbie Ray been doing this season? And six, actually 61% of all the earned runs that he has given up have been off of the home run ball. And considering that he has an ERA of 338, that's not bad. I mean, that's really good, actually. But the contact, so that indicates that the contact has been rare, but the contact has still been hard against him. So I think the Blue Jays, or Robbie Ray rather, is going to need to really work on that and get that down because problem with the home run ball is, one home run can change a, a one nothing game or a 2-1 game into a 3 nothing game or something like that. So th- that's, I think, what Robbie Ray is going to need to work on. But, I mean, as we've said a million times, obviously, the second game, Hunjin Ryu is the Blue Jays' ace. Seven strong innings gave the team a chance to win. And then even Ross Stripling, as you said, I he, he's been good. And I, I like the fact that the bullpen was able to get rest in the first two games of the series. But this game, I was not too happy with that. Now, Ross Stripling at the end of the fifth inning had 84 pitches and I would have let him go out for one more inning. Now I looked at it and the Braves had the 9-1-2 batters up in their order coming up. So maybe you don't want Acuna to face Ross Stripling a third time who homered off of him earlier in the game. So I kind of understand the logic behind that, but I, I, you know what? I don't agree with it. Blue Jays had a 3-2 lead. I would have put Ross Stripling in there at least one more time. Worst case, he gets... I don't know, he he gets one batter and then allows a hit or something. Obviously, there's, you know, worst case scenarios such as a home run or something like that. But I would have left Robbie Ray in the game, at least until he was out of gas. Because 84 pitches, that's at least 15, 20 more pitches that you can get out of him. Just because I don't think that the bullpen needs to take over half the game if it doesn't absolutely need to. If you can get one more inning out of Ross Stripling, then that's perfect. And you know, we look at with Ryu, the, I think only two relievers were used in that game. So that's obviously fantastic. But yeah, I I just, you know what, I, I'm happy with the starting rotation, but I wish that it was handled a little bit better because the bullpen could use that extra day of rest, especially I, I think the Blue Jays still only have four starters, four bonafide starters, maybe three, I'm not even sure anymore. But yeah, I would have a lot liked to see a little bit better of a management in or at least with the starting rotation in this game against or the series finale that is against the the Braves well well I think for Robbie Ray he's been giving up so many home runs because he's just throwing his fastball so much which doesn't upset me like I would rather him give up 
you know, a home run or two every start and not walk a better than have him walk people trying to be nibbling at the edges and, you know, be have to pay for it in terms of earn run allowed. So I'm, I'm fine with him giving up three runs a start if it means he's aggressive, he's in the zone. You know, naturally, you'd like to see if he's at this place right now where he seems to have gotten his command issues under control, maybe expand the load, the, the strike zone a little bit, maybe nibble at the edges. But if nothing changes, I'm happy he's been doing great. On Ross Stripling, I know I was personally, I was mentioning you guys, I, I was upset that they took him out of the game. I would have liked him see go, him go out for the sixth inning. But at the same time, his it is a National League and he was coming up in the lineup. So I do understand it from that perspective. And the Blue Jays, I think they were down by one run at that point. You're tied. So I get it. Um, it makes sense. But it can go either way. Yeah, I'm not surprised anymore. I don't even have any expectation. As long as they go at least six <laughs> innings, it's a win for me. Anything past that, whatever, I'm used to it with this current, uh, like, just bullpen management. But either way, uh, yeah, you know what? It was a good it was a good series from the rotation as well, and I thought the bullpen did pretty well. Somebody I want to give a quick shout-out to, or a couple, are A.J. Cole, first of all, who finally joins the bullpen now after a month. He gets the save in the game yesterday. And regardless, all throughout this season, and even, I guess, these past two games I've really started to realize is what an addition uh, Tyler Chatwood has been to this bullpen. Uh, amazing signing coming out of, or from the Cubs last year. And it was kind of a quiet signing. I know a lot of people were at the time were just hoping anything about Springer would show up. And I guess that was kind of overshadowed. I think it was from what I saw and from what I guess other people saw. But I mean, his ERA is 068, 12 games, 13 innings, and his whip is 0.75. Like that's pretty impressive. And he's definitely... Uh, turned into one one of or one of the top uh, relievers in this bullpen, and I guess Jordan Romano as well had a good series. He showed up in the it was he showed up obviously in the game today, and it was what either the first or second game of the series. So he had a couple of appearances as well. So uh, I was very impressed with that as well. But even uh, Hunter Nuyu going back to the season op- or the se- the series opener, sorry, he went seven innings. So anytime somebody goes seven innings, it's also pretty you know you, you remember that because you don't really see it a lot. And any for anyways or anyway, sorry for Ross Stripling today, I'm just happy that he was. A little bit more under control from what we have saw this year. I know the first inning was pretty much the only hiccup he had right away. First pitch of the game. And I kind of had the feeling that it wasn't going to go very well. But thank God he kind of settled down and he was a little bit more dominant for sure. And he just nine strikeouts, one walk, and we've already went over the, the pitching line. But either way, uh, definitely encouraging to see. Because that's somebody what we spoke about last week. How, many, how much longer would he be in the starting rotation? But... I think based off the last couple of days with the sudden demotion of Nate Pearson, which we're going to get into, maybe kind of changes something. But And of course, we have a new segment that we're doing is every week as well. But either way, there's a lot of stuff going on around the team, behind, below the team, just around the roster. And I mean, him in the rotation seemed a little bit unclear, but I guess he's earned another start and I don't know how much longer it'll happen. For now, I think Anthony Kay is going to be filling in for Nate Pearson's spot from what I saw. So that's five starters for now, I guess, on paper. But either way... Uh, a dominant pitching performance from the starting rotation these past three games. I know the bullpen had a bit of a hiccup today, like we mentioned, but a lot of these guys as well had a lot of uh, performances where they came out and they were dominant, especially A.J. Cole. A.J. Cole, for me, th- being thrown into a safe situation due to a depleted bullpen, I think, or even just a depleted bullpen and just going right into the fire and throwing in a safe situation in a close game, uh, that that was impressive for me, but... Um, I was very happy, and in terms of management of this guy going out for an extra inning or that guy, I'll stick to it. At least six innings, and I don't care because I don't. I'm done guessing anything with this. I'm just. 
I, you know, sometimes they make a lot of surprising moves. I think there was a few this series where people were kind of like, wait, what? And I guess today was one of them with Ross Stripling or even Robbie Ray. Maybe you throw him out for a second time, but, or not a second time, throw another inning. But the thing that we've also learned about, and I mean, based off what we've seen with the opener, how they handle it, there's no way they're sending out a starter for three times through the order. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I'm not saying it does work. But the analytics obviously don't show it for, for them. So that's why as well I kind of came to terms with it and I kind of had a feeling it was done for Ross Stripling after five innings. I just want to see the team try it at least yeah. once. Like, obviously guys like Ryu are going to handle it. But I I know that <clears throat> that's my problem is I want to see this team give their starting pitchers who are doing well <clears throat> a chance. And we just, it's, it, it really gets to me because I think that they could, even if it's just one inning, worst case, I don't know, you, you get into a tough situation where maybe there's a couple runners on, obviously that's not ideal, but at least you know for next time for that starter. I, I think the Blue Jays need to at least see what they have in terms of options with guys in the rotation in terms of going deeper in the game. Yeah, them doing, like, like doing it with, stripling taking him out that doesn't really frustrate me like in the moment maybe i get a little mad at it but like you know he's not someone who has historically had success but like you said for someone like ryu i'd like them to you know kind of push it a little bit with him see how far they can take it see how far he can go because you know whatever extra they can get from him helps him a lot so but but stripling i'm you know i'm, I'm fine with the decision they made um you mentioned nate pearson Bryson and of course that's something that surprised a lot of us I think you know we saw him come up he struggled in his start obviously 2.1 innings he walked five guys didn't get out of the third inning but I think we kind of all expected the Blue Jays to say look like this is the best guy we have right now we don't have anyone else to come up besides you know maybe one guy that we're going to be talking about but we don't have anyone else to fill this spot, so we're just going to keep rolling Nate Pearson out there. And look, he's had success in the minor leagues. It looked like he's totally dominating in AAA. The only way he's going to get used to the major leagues is pitching in the major leagues, so we're just going to keep rolling him out there. That's what we thought. That's what we thought the Blue Jays' mindset would be, but apparently not. They sent him down to the minors on Monday. They bring up um, Jeremy Beasley, I believe it was. Um, this is a guy that the Blue Jays traded for for cash considerations that I had totally forgotten about. They did it last month, but um, I think this move surprised a lot of people. And personally, I disagree with it. I know the Blue Jays are trying to win right now. I know it's, you know, this is the start of their competitive schedule. It's time to win. They can't keep rolling out these guys that are no longer, you know, at the top of their game that are no longer going to win games for the Blue Jays. But you have to make an investment in Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson is a guy who's going to be on this team long-term. He has to get his feet wet in the majors eventually. He's not going to learn anything more by going to AAA. I would like to see him stay in the majors. It might be a painful few weeks, might be a painful few months. In terms of starts, he might be going two, three innings, walking a bunch of guys, but I would like to see him get the time in the majors, get used to it, and then I think we'll see what we saw in the minors. What do you guys think? What do you think of the Blue Jays' decision to demote him to AAA after only one start? I'll tell you what. That shocked me. That move was... I, I was definitely shocked by that. Wh what I was not... Or what I was even more shocked about was the fact that he was called up when he was. Because here's the thing. I know he struck out eight in his first start with Buffalo. But aside from that, it's just been sim games. And, the way, and games at the alternate side also. So for me, the way I see it is I personally would have kept Nate Pearson in the minors for at least one more start 
maybe two, and then call him up because that's, I think at the end of the day, you don't want to rush pitchers. And that is a fair point that you just made. You know, Nate Pearson is supposed to be the next Hunjin Ryu when he leaves in a couple seasons. But I think I would have given Nate Pearson at least a couple more starts in the minors, especially considering he's coming off a groin injury, hasn't really had much game action since, what was it, March or February, whenever he went on the IL. So I would have given him at least another start. And I think that's the more shocking thing to me is the fact that he was called up when he was. I will admit I was a little surprised when the news broke out that he was sent down. I thought that was a little bit harsh at first, but when I also think about the fact that I thought he should have been kept in the minors longer, I sort of agree with the move because that gives him a bit of time to work things out. And hopefully that's all it takes. I mean, I've seen a lot of people on social media say that this is a confidence shatter for Nate Pearson, and I think that's fair. I just think that the best option is to at least give him a couple more starts to work things out and make sure that he knows what he's doing. And we, we truly, we, we do know that Nate Pearson's going to be a good pitcher. He's got a wicked fastball, some great breaking pitches, and he's going to be an ace. Like, let's be real here. He's going to be one of potentially three aces on this staff, which, as, as you know, we'll get to the other couple in a minute. But I would have given Nate Pearson a little bit more time just to work things out and then call him up. I believe in this homestand, they're, I think, facing the Yankees or Red Sox or somebody in the A at least. I would have given them a little bit more time, call him up on the homestand, especially considering that you're in Dunedin next to you know, the the development complex, and that would have probably been the better option for him. But yeah, tough outing for him. And, you know, it's unfortunate. You don't want to see this, especially coming from a top 10 prospect, which the Blue Jays desperately, desperately need to fill a role in their team. But hopefully we can look back on this and say that this eventually was for the better. And Nate Pearson learned from it and was able to come back throwing a lot more strikes. Yeah, I think it's a horrible move. I'm going to be flat out honest. I think it's horrible. Uh, You know, for somebody, you know, I think when you're calling him up, I think it comes with the fact that he's up here and that's it. Once you call him up, he's there for the rest of the year. And and the only thing I can think of is the reason why he went down is exactly what you said, Jacob, and exactly what uh, I think we all three of us mentioned. Maybe they, maybe whenever they called him up, which is last Sunday start, maybe that wasn't part of the plan. Maybe they were supposed to keep him down in Buffalo, Trent, whatever you want to call it for a couple more starts. I think I said I wanted two. And he'd be back up, but of course it would all vary on uh, performance. But when you look at the injuries and the transactions this team made over the course of the end of the Oakland series and throughout the Houston series, first of all, they lost Rafael Dolis, so that that was actually the move that brought Nate Pearson to the team or the roster. They lost David Phelps, they transferred him to the sixty-day IL, bunch of other injuries. Um, but either way, I think the Dolis thing kind of caught them off guard, and I don't think it was part of the plan. I mean, from what we saw a couple or yesterday or a couple days ago, that's the only thing I can think of. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how long Nate Pearson goes down for. Maybe it's a few starts. Maybe they just first. Well, I mean, we all know the start he had on Sunday. It was very, it wasn't pretty to to be nice, and the command was off. Everything was off, and he just didn't look like he was into it at all. It just, it, it didn't work out. But I don't think it was part of the original plan, and maybe a couple more starts in AAA would have helped him. I think I think that's safe to say it, it could have, and it would have, but now he goes back down for a few more starts, and we really don't know how long he'll, he'll be down there for. So Anthony Kay, like I said, will be taking over for the time being in that slot. Jeremy Beasley comes to the bullpen, so maybe the Jays need more arms in the bullpen as well, where that kind of came into a factor. There's a whole other or a wack of scenarios that could have came into a factor, but it just... If for me, when you're calling up Nate Pearson, whenever the heck they do, ne- or whenever they do it next, because obviously he will be back at some point, 
It just seems that once you call him up, you can't send him back down. It just doesn't make sense to me. And for someone who is the top prospect, who has the highest upside in this rotation or the potential because of where he is in terms of his age and that the fact that he is the organization's top prospect still, it just... It doesn't make sense. And if you're going to bring him up here and if you want him to develop, Mark, you said it perfectly. It's got to be done at the major league level because, or I mean, it, it has to be. We saw it last year. He came back as a reliever. I know he was injured. That's not happening this year. He's going to be coming back as a starter. I think they know that. And I think that's obviously the right decision to make. But I just feel like he should be making these developmental change or just his last parts of his development at the major league level. So that's why I was completely caught off guard by the move. Maybe I thought there was, at first, I thought there was some sort of injury. It turns out that's not what it was. It was just a simple demotion. And Jeremy Beasley, like you mentioned, comes up to the bullpen for the time being. But uh, I just I com- completely disagree with the move. I just have no part of me that understands or it just makes it makes me believe that this was a good move. Yeah, I think you're right that this wasn't part of the long term plan. I, I don't think I think it was only because Rafael Dolis hit the injured list. They were like, "What do we do?" I don't know why they didn't bring up Jeremy Beasley, but. I think they were kind of caught in the headlights. They said, let's give this guy a chance. But with your top pitching prospect, you can't be having him ride the the highway between, I guess, Trenton. And in this case, it was Houston. You can't be having him have that kind of uncertainty. You have to be very certain about what's going on with him. And I I don't know. It it kind of blows me away. And, and just looking at his minor league numbers in 2019 which is of course the last numbers we have 16 games in double a 2.59 era three games in triple a uh flat three era so like this is someone who has figured it out in the minors he's not going to learn anything else in the minors if you're going to call him up to the majors if you think he's ready to make a start against the astros who are cheating or not one of the best offenses in baseball like he's obviously developed, so keep him in the majors, let him get his feet wet. And I think you mentioned this, Jacob. It's all about confidence. Like with Nate Pearson, I think the the one thing with him now that they have to work on is confidence. That's the one thing. It's not velocity, it's not any of this stuff. It's confidence. It's challenging hitters. It's making sure he's not nervous when he goes to the mound. He knows his place in the clubhouse. He knows if he has a bad outing, if he gets hit for three home runs or whatever, he's not gonna get sent down. And I think the Blue Jays just shattered that, sending him down. So I don't understand the decision. It frustrates me. I think if you're going to have him get more starts in AAA, don't call him up in the first place. Kind of what Connor's saying in the chat. There would have been a difference if he got one more rehab start, two more rehab starts. It would have made a difference. It's just I think they rushed him in the first place. And if you're going to rush him, keep him in the majors. And for whatever reason, they didn't. It's a confusing decision. Yeah, I think that's initially there are the fact that he was coming back from an injury is initially why I thought he should have stayed in longer. And like you said, he knows what he's capable of in the minors. And we saw this, you know, every single time that there was a prospect coming up, whether it was Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it was, hey, this guy's good in the minor leagues. Take him up to the major league. There's no reason why he's here. And I think without an injury, Nate Pearson should be on this roster. And that's the confusing thing. As I said earlier, I think he should have been in the minors longer. But I also don't know if sending him back down was the right decision so it's it's definitely a bit of a weird decision for me and also like you got to remember this Blue Jays team they look they honestly look like a big family like you look at the at the broadcast when they're showing videos of the dugout there's a whole bunch of guys sitting together like these guys whether whether someone's struggling whether someone's doing well whether they're down 20 runs they're somewhat positive I mean maybe not in that situation but you know what I mean this team is very close and so I think Nate Pearson would have benefited from that. And you actually, I didn't even think of that until you mentioned that, that it's actually a good point where 
one of the best things to do when you struggle in the majors is to look at the guys that have success and learn from them, really try to leech off of that a little bit. And that is, I think, the the saddest part of that start. I do think Nate Pearson's coming up, though, and he's going eventually, and he'll be an impact player. But yeah, definitely a, a, a head scratcher that he came up, and especially considering all the unintended factors that play into this, not just a guy goes back to the minors. Now, you not only need to work on his stuff but you also need to work on convincing him that he has that stuff and that's why it's a little bit like i would have i would have kept him in the majors bring him back up later but keep him up don't send him back don't don't do this uh you're you're in the majors you're in the minors one start or anything like that that'll just that's not what you do with the 10th best prospect in the league and i would i'd be very angry if i saw that to say the least so now how long is he in the minors for what do you guys think? Because I got no idea what's going on. Yeah, I I have no idea. Like, like maybe people in the chat can help us out with this. But now that they brought him up, send him down, like, I have no idea what the Blue Jays' plan for him is. Like, we talked about another guy, Alec Manoa. Like, it's pretty clear that the Blue Jays are keeping him in AAA, making him prove himself there. And when it becomes unjustifiable, when he is so, so good in AAA, they're going to bring him up. Like, that's it. That's the plan with him. It doesn't seem like they're intent on manipulating service time or anything, or else they probably would have bumped him up to um, AAA. They probably wouldn't have done that so soon. So we know exactly what the plan is with Alec Noah, but I no idea what the plan is with Nate Pearson. I'm... I'm at a loss. Like like Connor's suggesting, you know, three and over under three and a half more starts. I would go the over with that. I think maybe four or five is the right range. Of course, it depends on what happens in the majors. If there's an injury, if there's a dire need in the starting rotation, that'll change things. But I think over. I I think the fact that they sent him down shows that they don't have a commitment to him yet. They're not comfortable with him in the majors yet. So I think he's going down. Yeah, you know what I'll agree with that I'm, I'm not too sure but now that you said over you said f- four or five i'm gonna say four i think that's probably the more likely chance now if you didn't say that i probably would have said under but for the, your reasons i think that makes a little more sense and as i said you, the last thing you want with a top 10 prospect is you're up in the majors for one start you're down in the minors for another start or basically you don't want this guy ubering between the majors and the minors every couple starts so i think they keep him for four they work things out and then he comes back and he's the impact player they think he will be yeah it's okay just this last time he once he's recalled he stays like i just i have no idea like this move completely threw me off like i'm going back to what i said right at the beginning you call him up and he's there for the long run i just no idea anthony k hopefully he does well obviously in this opportunity but like it's just it's very weird to see this from a prospect. You see this from, I guess, bullpen arms vet, like veterans, but you don't see this for somebody like Nate Pearson, a prospect going up and down like this. So that's that's why I was curious to ask you guys. But yeah, I think whoever sent the over, I think it was Connor in the comments, over under three and a half. I think that's a, a decent uh, take for in terms of over under. I think that's realistic. So I'd probably go under that. But I mean, with this this demotion, it's I'm completely thrown off by this. Yeah. And one last thing to say on this. I know we've beaten it to a pulp, but Nate Pearson is not someone who has to win his spot. He's not someone who has to, you know, put up the actual numbers to stay in the majors. He's not someone like Jeremy Beasley who's going to have to pitch his you-know-what off to stay in the majors, or A.J. Cole, too. Like, Nate Pearson is the future of this ball club. He doesn't have to prove it. 
he should be there for the long run. And this move just, it baffles me. It baffles me. It baffles all of us. Um, okay. It's time for our now uh, periodic segment, Alec Manoa Watch. He started yesterday on Wednesday in AAA with the Buffalo Bison slash Trenton Thunder. He went six innings. His first five innings were no hit innings. He didn't give up a hit until a leadoff double in the sixth inning, and that was the only hit he gave up all game. Six innings total, no earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. I mean, coming off a 12-strikeout, no-walk game in his last start, coming out five no-hit innings. I asked this question last week. Ask it again. When do you think he will be added to the 26-man roster? You know what? I'm going to stick with July 15th because I still think that You're they're... sticking with I'm it. I'm sticking with it. I think the Blue Jays want to give wow. him a couple more starts. And actually, somebody uh, commented on our last podcast. I wanted to bring it up. He said June 10th. I'm not sure. I mean, that's a good option. Maybe you guys want to either take that or I'm not sure. But I'm going to say I'm sticking with July 15th. And also, I should mention, he has not allowed an earned run in the minors yet or at AAA yet, which is fantastic. And yet you're still saying July 15th. I just think (laughs) the last thing you want to do is rush a guy like this. He's going to be good and he's going to be great in this league, especially for this, this team in the rotation. But I think the best option is give him a couple more starts and bring him up in the summer because it is May the 13th right now. So I'm going to give it two more months, which is a couple more starts or maybe five or six starts. And then they truly know what they have going for them. And that'll probably be that when they keep him up or when they bring him up, they'll keep him up and he will be an impact player for the team. But I, I don't know if I can change it because I feel like if I change it, I'm going to be obliged to change it again next week. And Every single week. I I just want to stay a little bit consistent. Well, that, and I that's think that's the point of Manoa Watch. Yeah, that's fair. That's the whole point of this segment, <laughs> to see how our expectations are changing week in and week out. I'll give it one more week. If he's still doing well okay. after okay. however many starts it is when we next record, then I'll make my decision if I want to change. But, yeah, I'm keeping it right now. Well, my opinion's changed in four days. And whoever <laughs> said that comment, I'll change the date because I'll give it to whoever, whoever it was, Jacob. I don't know if you know the name, but let him or her keep that. I will say... June 20th. He will be up here next month at some point. I I'm convinced. I've just I the organization loves him and I've just been ever seeing and hearing everything that they love this guy and I mean the fact that he's dominating AAA like he is like my I'm even going to jump my percentage. I'm going to say 80% he's up this year. And I've I've completely changed my opinion and I it's crazy how much it has cuz if you go back to what was it, two weeks ago where we first started this? I started 30, 35%. I said maybe late summer, September. Mark, you were with me around there, around September. Jacob, I think you said 0%. So it's just crazy how much it's changed <laughs> over the course of two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. He will be up here before Canada Day. Yeah. The, That's a good well, point. I don't agree with that. But <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how much our expectations have changed. I'm going to, last podcast, I said August 1st. I'm going to bump that up. I think he's going to be making the last start before the all-star break so that's july 11th um i'll take that i think it's reasonable it's against the rays um i i think that works out perfectly they get him in and they don't have to rush him back to his next start if it doesn't go well if they want to work on something if they want to send him down they have lots of time to figure out their approach with him and his development um and it kind of 
it's just like a fairy tale ending to the first half of the season. So July 10th, or excuse me, July 11th, the last game before the All-Star break, that's what I'm going with. We'll see. We'll check back in next week. We're already changing our predictions a bit, and we'll keep track of where they're going. Um, but it expectations have changed exponentially in just two weeks. It's crazy. I'll tell you what, actually. It's funny. Bryson, you said this. I'll, I'll mention the guy that predicted June 10th. His name was Joseph. If he beats all of us, then I don't want to say anything that man. I'll... Yeah, you know what? If <laughs> I'm not willing to make a bet, but you know what? If Joseph beats all of us then congratulations <laughs> i it, hey it could happen you i get mean bragging rights you bet, get him. Yeah. Bet, bet him jacob bet him no but you know what every I mean, t- okay hold on I one lose, second i lose bets every single time there's no way i can i can make something <laughs> okay but if he's dominating like he is let's just say this keeps up or it's like a it's consistent why keep holding him there that's why i think late late but june i don't think it will keep up so yeah, obviously it won't. But like, I don't what think if it'll he's... keep up at this pace though. Like, like he's not going to throw. He's not going to practically throw a no hitter every no, day. No, no. But like, and I think hitter. I think they want to keep him. I think they want to keep him down long enough so that they can see how hitters adapt, how he adapts in AAA. Because like, there's no video on yeah. him. Like, there's nothing to scout right now. Before this season, he had 17 professional innings. So minor league hitters coming in against him have no idea what's going on. And I think they want to keep him in AAA long enough until the opponents know what they're getting and they're still struggling against him. And that's when they'll bring him up. And another thing, AAA, like we're seeing with Nate Pearson, is very different from the major leagues. It's a different conversation in terms of you can't just throw your fastball all the time. You got to mix in other pitches. I know um, Manoa's mixing in his slider a lot, which is getting a lot of play and he got a lot of swings and misses on his slider. But you got to work on your off-speed pitches if you want to succeed in the majors as a starter and not just a reliever. So those are the two reasons I think the Blue Jays want to keep him in AAA for a little bit longer and why, you know, even if he keeps up this performance for, you know, one, two more starts, why they'll still want to keep him there for at least a few more weeks. Yeah, majors are is a big step up from the minors. And I mean, go back to 2019, we saw that with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a guy that's been dominant all throughout his minor league career. And it took him some time to really settle in. Now, granted, first base, third base, position player basically is different than pitching. But the argument still stands. It is still a very different league. I mean, literally, but also you're not facing guys that are not as good as major league hitters. Like that's, I think, the big jump is you can't just blow a fastball by a guy like Nate Pearson did. You got to kind of, I mean, maybe Nate Pearson could, but basically what i'm trying to get at is the major leagues is is a big step up so i think the blue jays really want to make sure that they know what they're getting out out of alec manoa give him four maybe starts make sure that they truly know everything that he's capable of doing and then bring him up and hopefully keep him up because that's you know as i said with pearson i think the next time they bring him up they got to keep him up i can almost remember for a fact that we discussed this one time it was a uh, vladimir guerrero jr or boba and I remember it was somebody, one guy from Twitter, somebody from Sportsnet who covers the team. They said the bigger step up was from double A to triple A. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And that they, they said that was the biggest step because now you're entering to closer to major league pitching or hit or, you know, hitting or whatever it was. I think it was Guerrero. No, it might have been Bichette. Either way, one of the two. They made the jump and they said that was the biggest jump. Manoa didn't even, he jumped from A. We know last year he's in triple A already. I'm just saying, some people from their logic have already said he's made the biggest jump. 
I'm just saying. Late June. Keep him there for the rest of May. Keep him there for most of June. If this keeps up, I'm not saying he's going to throw no hitter. If he, we we all know based off of uh, a pitching line what a solid start is. If it keeps up, end of June. Okay. Well, we will <laughs> wait and see and check in on our next episode or after his next start. See what he's doing. Um, the last thing to mention in today's podcast, I mentioned this in our chat right before the game ended. I said. There have been no injuries <laughs> since we last recorded. This could be our first podcast without talking about a single injury. And then after the game, Charlie Montoyo came out and said that Ryan Brocky wasn't available because he had arm fatigue and that he doesn't think it's an injury. He doesn't think he's going on the injured list. It's just that he's not going to be available. Obviously not today. Maybe not, you know, tomorrow against the Phillies. Who knows? But we almost made it without an injury. I was ready to celebrate, but even so, it's still good that this is a small injury. It's nothing major. There's not multiple guys going on the IL. A little bit of solace there. Not much to talk about, but it's a little silver lining and maybe a sign that the Blue Jays are finally getting out of their, you know, maybe the first period of the season, which we could call the injured period, the injured era, and maybe finally getting into a competitive um, time where of course you know they're winning like they have 12 of the last 18 yeah i mean it it only took us uh recording only three days later for us to finally not get an injury but yeah you know what i'll take it it's been great i, I mean i don't think that we can take any more injuries because this team will just like i don't know how much it can handle that but yeah i mean hopefully ryan brookie is not out for too long hopefully they get their guys back that are on the aisle soon maybe we see springer back actually i believe He's retroactive to today, which is Thursday, which he started running. Uh, so hopefully he's in maybe by the end of the weekend, something like that. Uh, not entirely sure, but yeah, this team is finally looking like they're not not necessarily getting injured, but just staying healthy and, and, and starting to get healthy again. So very pleasant surprise. And I say surprise because, I mean, yeah, like the the team is it's it's getting destroyed by injuries. And we've seen the graphics on Sportsnet. I think it was called the bruised Jays instead of blue Jays. And there was maybe like 11 names on that list. And it's, it's super concerning and it's super frustrating teams doing well without them. Team's going to do even better with them. And it's, you know what, it couldn't be at a better time, especially as the homestand ends or a new homestand begins. And then they go into their next uh, road trip and then homestand in, in uh, Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, knowing this team, day-to-day turns into an injured list stint by a couple weeks or a couple days sorry I hope so Ryan Barucki has been one of the best or you know one of the top relievers in this bullpen obviously he's a lefty which is very important but I just I I have nothing to say I told you guys I I don't know what it is with this uh, injury report but they're slowly getting healthier I guess I mean, coming out of a series without an injured list transaction officially is a, is a win, and it's the best. But somebody with Springer, too. I know he's starting his running progression, but, I mean, I, I don't even know if he's going to be back this month. I mean, maybe sometime in June. I just, there's there's no way they're going to, they're going to be even more cautious than they were before. Because some say, and maybe, maybe they were right, that he wasn't even ready at the time. As long as he's back and healthy this time, I, they can take all the way up until June from for me. I don't know if you guys or Mark, you think maybe end of May he could be back, I guess. But it's going to go way past the, I guess, minimum 10-day requirement for me. But either way, it's just, um, yeah, I, I mean, i just completely shocked by this. Yeah, I, I don't think we're seeing Springer for a while. I think they're going to play it real, real safe with him. 
and as they should, they don't want him to get injured again. So, um, final thing to mention, Connor mentioning in the comments that Thomas Hatch, um, could be coming back. I think that he's expected probably back in mid to late June. Um, he may interfere with Manoa's return to the majors or debut in the majors, but honestly, I don't think he will. Um, I don't think them bringing up Manoa is, you know, demand in the majors. I don't think it comes down to that. I think it just comes down to how well he's doing in AAA and their development plan for him. So I don't think, you know, even if they had five healthy starters, I I don't think that would interfere with them bringing Manoa up. I think they would find space for him if they think he's ready in the majors. So I don't think Hatch would interfere. I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong. I love Hatch to come out and, you know, throw five, six, innings of shutout ball every week but um I don't think it will it depends on if Hatch wants to start though I think that's the big question because say you put him in the bullpen or you have him as an opener I think it's it's fair to say that Alec Manoa is going to be a starter who pitches five six seven innings so it it depends on the role of Thomas Hatch but I'm not willing to bet that those two roles are going to interfere and obviously with Alec Manoa no offense to Thomas Hatch but I do think that Alec Manoa is somebody that the Blue Jays are really high on right now, and they think that he not necessarily takes priority, but will they'll let him come up when he's ready. I think that's the best way to put it. So, yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? If there's two good guys coming back, that's obviously very good for the team, and I think they'll take it. But, yeah, I'm not entirely sure uh, how influential Thomas Hatch will be on if Alec Manoa comes up. I mean, we've seen it all with injuries so far, unless there's even more injuries. I think that's the only way Hatch starts. I almost want to say he'd be in the bullpen, but I, I don't know. I, I Either way, he's a big arm and somebody who I guess they rely on a lot for Thomas Hatch, and I, I think bullpen for sure. But either way, I just – I mean, Mark, your, your post a couple of days ago with the operation table, I think that sums it up perfectly. But it's just <laughs> – it's funny. It's just – I don't know. I, I, I hope so. But Thomas Hatch, too, he did have potential last year, and we saw it, that he – He's one of the main pieces in this bullpen, and they definitely are missing him a lot. So, you know, there's that. There's one more homestand in Dunedin, and I guess before we wrap things up, I don't know if we were planning to talk about it, but I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on the attendance, how they're going to be handling that in Buffalo. I don't know if you saw 50% capacity for people who have been vaccinated with no distancing, and then 50% capacity distance with people that aren't vaccinated. I just, I think it'll be cool for Salem Field to be filled up pretty, or to a decent amount. But um, yeah, it's just I, I'm excited either either way, you know. I guess they're closer to Toronto again, but uh, I don't know. But either way, at least it should be better in Buffalo. As long as it's safe to do so, then uh, you know what? I'll let people do it. Yeah, they've got 50% capacity for 50% of the stadium is going to be 100% yeah, capacity okay. for people who are vaccinated. The other half is going to be um, six feet distant. I'm very excited because, as many people know, I live in the states. I live about probably seven hours from Buffalo, so I'm trying to work out a trip. They have a homestand. They play Baltimore for a four-game series at the end of June. I'm trying to get tickets for that. We'll see how it goes. Um, I was able to attend the New Hampshire Fisher Cats game um, yesterday, which was pretty cool. Austin Martin didn't do anything cool, but Brock Lundquist hit a grand slam and had a cool sli um, sliding catch over near the bullpen down the left field line. So it was awesome. You had a nice catch too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I got the ball right here. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up because I wanted to. I wanted to say it, but I I got a foul ball, <laughs> which is pretty. It sounds cool, but there were sixty people in the stadium, so not much of an achievement. But, anyways, um, don't take we it will away. Wrap, don't take it away. Yeah, yeah, we will wrap it up there. 
Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138 or watched our live stream. So again, you can follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube. Stay tuned to when we're doing live streams by following us at Section 138 Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just help spread the word about what we're doing. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can go check out the rest of our podcasts and subscribe there. You can also support our Patreon, patreon.com slash section138pod. Lots of exciting stuff happening there. So we got lots of exciting stuff happening overall. We'll be back on the weekend, at the end of the weekend, after this series against Philadelphia. But until then, we'll catch you next week. Take me to the woods Way out in the country With the diesel knocking underneath the hood Mud on every tire Barb on every wire Yeah, it feels good Bonfire burns slow Tall pies, fireflies for a low Yeah, it feels good If you don't know where to go Just follow that red dirt road Take me to the woods